Hello everyone, you are welcome to the second episode of my podcast, Sharon here. I hope you enjoyed the first one and look forward to receiving more of your feedback. And if this is your first time here, you are so welcome. Here we talk about God, about life, about relationships, career and everything in between. We're just here to have that fellowship without judgment that not a lot of people have access to within the church community or within the community of people of faith. And we're trying to change that narrative. So that's why we do what we do here. And don't worry, it's not going to be just me. It's not going to be my voice all the time. Um, we'll get to the point where we'll be having guests on the show. Not on the show, on the podcast. It's not a show. And I look forward to that. But until then, deal with me and my voice. So I was going to do a completely different direction this week. But this kept echoing in my heart. And I feel like maybe just maybe it's for somebody. So it was a question around what do you do when it feels like God is silent on issues and this is not general issues this is specifically to things where you know you feel you were wrongly accused or things like that really so where it feels like there's an accusation on you or people have said things that aren't true or you did something probably because it was an instruction and then you know it's scattered as it is want to do and um it feels like but oh god why are you saying nothing why why is it that at the t- at this time you're quiet i would expect that if you started me on this path you would you know defend me justify me all of that and i remember i had been through something similar and I kept going to God and I used to purpose like, God, won't you vindicate me? You know, you are the, you know, the things we say that, I mean, I don't think right there in the Bible because I, I can't remember, please correct me if I'm wrong. But you know, when we see something along the lines of, oh, the cow that doesn't have a tail is God that chases the flies. You know, just basically trying to emotionally blackmail God and and this is not in any way to discount your pain if you've experienced something like this. I think that is very valid and that's why I feel like it's important to talk about it now. And you go through things like that. I think maybe everyone has had an experience like that. It could be mild, it could be extreme, but a situation where you were misunderstood and you would have hoped or expected that God would, you know, conquer for you or, you know, raise people to speak on your behalf or something, anything that would help in that situation, help you, number one, not feel so alone, number two, help people know the truth about your situation, but it doesn't happen. And it's like, I mean, this, this isn't fair. Yes, that's the word. Well, we think that life is unfair or God is unfair and like I said your feelings your experiences are so valid I'm just here right now trying to give some context 
And it may help you, it may not, but I will just share what was told to me in that time. I will see if uh, that provides any form of comfort. Now, for me, in that time, it didn't, it didn't answer my question. I, it, it didn't like really provide the comfort I was looking for, but I did find solace, and I that's what I'm hoping to extend in this episode of the podcast. So, I had this on notes. Let me go check them. Um, I think that the first thing that we need to settle in our hearts is the fact that God is good. That God, in his nature, his nature is good. His nature is kind. His nature is just, and we can trust him. So I think that if we're able to settle that in our hearts, it would be easier for us to, in a sense, trust the process. It would be easier for us to be patient and let things play out when they're not going according to how we expect. It will be easier for us to um, hold on to faith. Now, the song that I explain in the background is very deliberate. I chose it for a reason. And, I mean, if you know the song, you probably already know why it's the background. But, yes, I think that that's the first thing. So, one thing that I learned to do was when negative things would happen or things contrary to what I had hoped or expected or when people would say things about me or or just hurt me in a way, or, you know, accusations would be raised, and I would go to God, and first of all, I would say, before I say anything else, I acknowledge that you are good, I acknowledge that you are kind, and in this moment, no matter how hurt I feel, I will not let anything, nothing at all, take away the conviction that I have that you are good and that you are kind and that you do not have plans to do evil to me. All your thoughts for me are good. So I know that in this situation, however terrible, however painful, it does not change the fact that you are good. So I think that that's a great place to start. When we're able to do that, it then takes away the, sometimes there's a fear in the back of our minds where, you know, I mean, growing up in church, you hear things about testing and trials. And when you're looking at the things that you're going through, sometimes it's like, if this is a test that God is giving me, then let's say we get a wicked smaller, right? And that's why I refuse to let anything change my perception of who God is and of his nature. So my experiences are too small to define the nature of God as contrary to what he has said and shown to be through um, and shown to be true across or throughout my lifetime or across the ages. And I'll give some let me now start with <laughs> What was said to me, because I really want to give this brief this time. Um, 
one thing that might just give you a bit of perspective as to why we never get answers sometimes or why it feels like there's never an answer. So when I was praying, God took me to scripture and I just started to read and he said to me, do you realize that the only reason you know that Joseph was innocent of the rape accusation is because it's written in the Bible? Do you know that in Egypt there were people that till tomorrow would swear that Joseph was a rapist? Do you know that there were people in Israel that still believed that Joseph and Mary had been having sex before they got married and that's how come Mary fell pregnant? We look with the benefit of hindsight at the stories in the Bible and we think that is as straightforward or as explanatory as we see them because we had the benefit of hindsight. Like, do you know that these guys lived their entire lives with that accusation hanging over them? Do you know that the only reason we know that Job's affliction came from the devil was because it's written if you in Job's time, now the the story of Job is one that I I I find it difficult to read the book of Job because I've been through in something similar to his, of course not on his scale, but something had happened, and the people that I felt were closest to me that would know that this is contrary to my character or to who I am with the ones that were saying, oh, you had to have done something, or you know just basically what Job's friends were doing. So I used to get triggered literally whenever I read the Bible and when they were saying things like, oh, you better confess. You must have done something wrong to God. You must have done this. Why are you insisting on your innocence instead of you to confess? And I, I used to get very angry because I'm like, you don't know. I'm telling you that I am innocent of this thing and you are saying that I am lying. And the only person that knows that I am telling the truth is God. And in this time, God is not saying anything. So I understood Job. Where Job would come and say, Oh God, I need answers. What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong? Did I violate any of your laws? Why would this be happening tonight? So back to back to back to Job. Uh, um, the only reason we know that Job's affliction did not come from God and that Job's affliction was purely orchestrated by the devil is because it's written in the Bible. The people in Job's time did not have the background story or the hindsight that we have. So I guess in a sense they may have been justified in thinking that he did something. But that's not comforting to Job, right? And I think that that happens... And he said to me that the reason why he may not defend you is that he is not raising you or blessing you based on what people think about you. That in the end, it doesn't matter whether they believe you, whether they don't believe you, whether they like you, whether they don't like you, has nothing to do. It's not important. God is not a waster, right? So he's not going to waste his efforts. He's not going to waste his time G see that the veil in the temple was torn in full 
Jesus' body, Jesus, Jesus rose from the dead. The Roman soldiers saw it and the Jewish leaders paid them to say that the disciples had stolen the body. So they would rather admit to failing at their jobs and the truth. And people believe that. So I think that the first thing that you need to clear in your mind is that you may not always have the opportunity to tell the side of the story. And you need to find comfort and solace in the fact that regardless of that, if God is with you, he's with you. And it will show. It might take a while, but it will show. It might take a while, but it will show. Some people will never believe, but that's okay. Because what matters is God and what he thinks of you. And it may not always be comfortable, but please believe that there will always be people that God will raise for you, that will love you regardless, that will hold your hands. I don't really like Job's friends, but they were with him. They were with him in the trenches. Job was smelling. Job was, was down and out. But he had a wife and he had his friends. And they sat with him in the dust for seven days before they sat there and in dust. So I guess that's the point in their credit. And when Job was going to be restored, his friends each gave him a gold ring. So I think that this is also a pointer to be patient with the people in your life. Maybe when you're going through something, and they, they genuinely don't understand it. And they're trying to profess solutions from their plane of understanding that may not necessarily apply in your context because only you know the full truth of what is going on. And another thing that I wanted to use this to say is that your spouse is part of you, right? When God told the devil not to touch Job certain things, in the end, he said, don't touch the guy. Like, don't kill him. You can touch everything else. His children could die. His wife could not because as far as God is concerned, the two had become one. So his wife was him. He was his wife. So his wife was under that exemption as well. So when you people see that your children are more important than your spouse, that is not scriptural. That is demonic. I said what I said. We'll fight later. Let's go back to Job. So, um, and then the question is, now that I've explained that you may not always have an explanation and God may not always indicate you in the way that you desire, let's now go back to why God allows it. And let's start with Job. I know we've been on Job for a bit. So let's start with Job. If you remember, Job has said when these things started to happen, what did he see? The thing I have feared the most has come upon me. Now, the hedge of protection that was around Job, Job was doing a lot of things, a lot of spiritual sacrifices. He was always doing things. But then after reading that story, I realized that he was doing it out of fear, that he was so afraid that something would happen, that he lived under that cloud and under that shadow. And eventually it happened because, I mean, fear is a spirit that attracts. So... That was the opening that the devil used to get to him. Now, what does that tell me? And I will relate it to other people in the Bible, but sometimes God allows those things to purge you of something or to position you properly or something you need to die. And that process, like one of my like 
I call it my life scripture. One of my life scriptures is Psalm 6, verse 12. And it says, You have caused men to ride over our heads. They have gone through fire and through water, but you have brought us into a wealthy place. Now, many times, if God, in that sense, causes, causes in quotes, or allows, I think allows is more accurate, allows men to ride over your head and takes you through fire and through water, usually, what he's doing is using that opportunity to purge things in your heart. So by the time um, Job now had his second set of children and he was restored, that fear was gone. Like the fear was the worst thing that could have happened to me has happened and I came out of it and I was justified and I'm free, right? So... Even though his kids died, even though he lost everything, in that process, the old version of him died as well. And he was now renewed. And I mean, if the devil was going to come again, he won't have access through that fear because God had used that opportunity to purge him of that. Another example is um, Joseph, right? Joseph was in his father's house was a star boy. He already knew that there was a worth on his life. And then he was fair and he was just and he would do the right thing. So even when his brothers were stealing, he would go and tell his dad, don't forget that this his siblings were way older than him. I feel like Ruben could have given birth to Joseph easily. And the age difference, if you look at the the amount of children that Jacob had with um Leah and Rachel's servant and um, Leah's servant. I mean, um, Rivet could have been 18 to 25 years older than Joseph, if not more. So he was basically reporting his, his, his daddies to his actual daddy. And, you know, the coat of many colors, like a, a sensible person would not wear the coat of many colors to go and meet his brothers because you're waving a red flag in front of them. So I feel like in a sense, Joseph may have been insufferable in his rightness, in his correctness, in the way that he carried himself. And remember that he was the firstborn of the beloved wife. So there could also have been the fear that Jacob would wake up one day and will everything to him or ask him to, you know, take on that. So the process of Joseph going first to put if me sold and you know when it's sold people in those times they'll speak you naked so like everything was gone and then he was sold he ran it around started doing his best then madame came with Wahala, and then he was accused and thrown into jail in jail, he ran it around again. And then he now saw that this guy was going to go somewhere. And he said, please remember him. And this guy went off for another three years. He didn't completely forgot him and he was there. I feel like so many things in Joseph died. So that by the time he saw his brothers, the thought of real vindication did not come. The guy was weeping. Like he was legit crying. The, the Joseph of, of 18 years old will not have been like that. That's for sure. Right. And so those experiences where people have treated him shabbily or God had cost me to ride over his head 
it was pruning him and purging him and making him a vessel suitable for the master's use. So I think that that's a great perspective to have. When people do things to you, or when our accusation is raised, or when things like that happens, think that we can go to God and say, Lord, what are you trying to teach me with this experience? I don't like it. It's painful. I hate this is happening to me. Or well, what are you going to use this to fix in my life? What do you, you know, search my heart, see if there's any wicked way. What do you need to curve out of my heart? Um, so I've talked about Joseph, I've talked about Joe. And if you recall, when God finally came to us, I do. Ask any of those questions. She did not respond. So I think that we need to take away that expectation that God owes us an explanation. Because I, I hate to break it to you, but he's God. I don't think that he would, even if she was going to, like, like scripture says, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot be at now. So even if she was going to explain, you don't understand the eternal significance of this experience that you're going through. Joseph did not, could not understand that thousands of years after he died, will be referencing him, right? So we can't see like he does. We're limited by humanity. We're not omniscient, we're not omnipotent, we're not omnipresent, right? So he that sees the end from the beginning and everything in the middle allowed that situation because there was something he was going to use to work it out, work out in us. And that's what and scripture now says, don't let the limb foot be turned out of the way, meaning don't get offended in return. They now start hating God for being quiet. I feel like we need to, and going back to what I said in the beginning, that's where the place of trusting in God's character is so important. Because that's what will keep you going, even when you don't understand. And even when it seems like she's tired, and even when it seems like the people that have wronged you are just going about their merry ways and living their best life, and you are hurting and you're crying. Let's not forget to ask God, well, what is this supposed to teach me? How, like, I yield in this instant. Can't say that I understand what you're doing, but I choose to trust that your intentions are good towards me. So, Lord, what do I need to fix? We need to know that God is never the problem. He has never been, I will never be the problem. And even when now comes to speak to you, you can now do like, Joe, have you done this? Were you there when? Consider him or not as he just won't answer the way that you want. And I think that we need to make peace with that. And, you know, for anyone that is hurting right now, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you're experiencing this. But I know that if you take that pain to God, you would work out such an eternal weight of glory in you that you will not even be able to imagine. And you will not even remember the pain. That's how amazing it's going to be. So imagine... um, um. Abraham and God tells him, take your son Isaac, your only son, whom thou lovest, and give him to me. If I say, but God, I waited for 25 years. Why would you allow him to grow up and then I know him and I love him so much? I am such a gentle, kind, good boy. I'm going to give you Ishmael, Ishmael has coconut head, I don't mind. But you're asking me for the child of my heart. And God says nothing as his kind word. 
God says nothing as a charismatic. God says nothing as a go with their servants to the bottom of the mountain. God says nothing as they climb that mountain. God is silent as a tiny as a only when he raises the knife, God now says, stop, I have provided an alternative. Little did Abraham know that he was showing man that it's possible for God to give his only precaution son because a man has remodeled it. And little did he know that Isaac was dying in his heart as an idol. So their relationship dynamic changed. So I believe that Isaac became who he became and was able to carry that grace and that anointing into the next generation and that heritage because he died in Abraham's heart and their new relationship where God was able to work with our through him was born out of that. So um, I want to stop soon. So I said, uh, you may never get the vindication you desire, but I feel like true freedom will come out of that experience. Um, I also feel like when God allows us things, she uses it as an opportunity to purge something in you or to position it properly. And many times he does it because someone needs to die so that his purposes will be formed. I'm not saying that that's the case for everybody because again, I don't know. I honestly don't know what the dynamics of God's working with us is unique. So I can't say, but I do know that we need to trust in his character regardless of what we're getting through. And we know that she like, he would always turn that out for our good, for our good. If only we don't get offended. If only we don't allow that link to be turned out of the way. If only we yield ourselves knowing that she is good, that she is good and he is good. And if she is good, it doesn't matter what my circumstances are looking at. He's going to turn it out for my good. I will stay with him. I will do it wrong. I will yield ourselves. And when he starts showing us things to correct, we allow him and we correct them. I believe that if we're able to do all these things at some point, even if people that offend that you can't apologize, you genuinely don't want it. Like you literally do not need the apology. You don't need the vindication anymore. And I feel like that's when vindication usually comes, when you actually do not need it to survive or to move on because trust me. Human beings are not, you, you, you can't get closure from the person that hurts you. You cannot get closure from the person that hurts you. They don't have the capacity to heal that wound. Only you and God can sit down and bring that beauty from that place that is hurt. Because they are going through their own thing. They have their own issues to sort out. And not everyone is able to come back to God and allow him purge their hearts. So as long as... See time and harvest remains. As long as the earth remains, human beings will keep causing offense, human beings will keep gossiping, human beings will keep raising accusations. But your job is to stay in God and ensure that your heart is never turned from Him and that you're able to love regardless in that circumstance. And you will be so surprised at how God will lift you and show you His peace and His calmness. And trust me, I can see this because I've experienced it and I know that you will too. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for this session. And Lord, I ask that for anyone that is going through anything in this time and they feel like they need you to speak, that you will speak in the form of your peace, that you will grant them the grace and the strength to go through this 
uh, come out refined, 10 times better, 10 times great, that your love would be perfect work in their hearts. And they will look back like Joseph and say, you meant it for evil, but the Lord has turned it around for good. That you will comfort us on every side and you will grant us grace. That after men have reading over our heads and we have gone through financial water, you will bring us into your wealthy place, the place that you are prepared for us, that every situation we go through will be to work out your goodness and your kindness and your greatness in us. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen. Thanks you guys for joining in and I will see you next week. Go through knowing that he is with you and he will never let you go. Bye. And please drop your questions, drop your on my social media there's a link a google form you can ask your questions there i think you can also leave feedback on this podcast questions whatever it is i'm happy to respond as soon as i get them so thank you so much and i will see you next time keep on keeping on